0: I invite you to join me in a word of prayer. My gracious Father, as we gather this morning, we thank You for this new day. We thank You for the gift of Your Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that You would open our hearts and our minds to hear Your Word, to take it to heart, and to live it out. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, would be pleasing to You, my Lord, my Rock, and my Redeemer. Amen. Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord, And the Lord says, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? I don't know about you, but as a student, and it didn't matter if it was Sunday school, confirmation, junior high, high school, college, or even seminary, I really didn't like it when a teacher would ask the class a question. And I know that's part of the whole education process. I get that. I do it to my confirmation kids and they do the same thing I used to do. You see, when a teacher would ask a question, the class, myself included, would do everything we possibly could to not make eye contact with the teacher. As soon as you made eye contact, you were sunk. All right? We would look at the board, we would look at our notes, we would look at the book, and actually act like we were reading it. We would look at each other. We would look outside even if there weren't windows in the room. Anything to avoid eye contact with the teacher. And and why? I mean, it's not like we didn't know the answer. We just didn't want to be called on. And I'm still the same way and so are a lot of adults. And maybe it's because we're afraid that what we're going to say may be wrong. Maybe we're afraid that what we're going to say isn't good enough? But let's expand this. Let's get out of the classroom and and get kind of more into life. Why is it that when we're asked to do something, and it could be the smallest and maybe the easiest thing ever to do, why do we do everything we can to look the other way? Why do we work so hard at trying not to be noticed? If a person is persistent enough of us, we may give them this crazed, confused look saying, Seriously? You want me? The World War I poster that was created by James Montgomery Flagg would say, Yes, I want you. You can't help but think that when you see Uncle Sam pointing that accusing finger of moral responsibility at you. And while you read those words, I want you. Notice the you is bigger than everything else. And it's in the exact opposite colors to emphasize: yes, I want you. The same thing holds true in World War II by a poster that was produced by J. Howard Miller originally for the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company. We know it as the we can do it poster. It was it was promoted as, as a means during wartime to get to get women into jobs in the defense industry. When asked, the point is, when asked and and said that they were wanted, men and women during World War I and II didn't look away. They didn't act in such a way that they wouldn't be called on. They saw the need, they saw the opportunity, and they voluntarily stepped up and took it. They did what needed to be done. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? In the verses immediately before God saying this, we learn that King Uzziah died. Well, when a king dies, a new king now rises up and sits on the throne. But the king that Isaiah sees is not your normal run-of-the-mill type of king. He's totally different. The king upon this throne is the Lord high and exalted and the and the train of his robe filled the temple instead of having servants and officials and dancers or jesters or surrounding the throne Isaiah sees these seraphim angels proclaiming holy 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 is the lord god almighty the whole earth is full of his glory and Isaiah writes that at the sound of their voices the thresholds the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the whole temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah, he probably thought, you know, I'm an okay guy. I mean, he was a priest, so you know, being in the temple, being in the presence of a king was really nothing new for him. He probably hadn't done anything too seriously wrong in his life. But when Isaiah looks around and he sees these angels flying, and he sees that with two of their wings they're covering their faces, and with two of their wings they're covering their feet, he realizes these angels don't feel as if they belong. They feel as if they are unworthy to be in God's presence. They have to hide themselves from him. If the holy angels of God are unworthy to be in God's presence, Then what about him? What about Isaiah? But quickly, Isaiah realizes he's definitely not worthy to be there before the king, before the Lord God Almighty. And so he cries out for mercy, he cries out for forgiveness. Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. To see the king, to see the Lord Almighty with your own eyes in the Old Testament meant you were going to die because nobody was able to see the face of God. But I want us to pause here for a moment. What would our reaction be if we were to trade places with Isaiah? If it's you or me there in that temple. What would our reaction be if we found ourselves in the presence of Almighty God, the King of all creation? Let's think of this question maybe a different way, too. What is our reaction as we find ourselves in the presence of Almighty God this very moment, in this very place? Well, as we enter into worship, as we come into our sanctuary, we're not just entering another room in a different kind of building. We're entering into the the throne room of God. We come here as poor, miserable sinners who have absolutely nothing to offer God. We come here not being worthy of being here because of the way we think, because of how we live our lives and the things we say and the things we do. And yet here we are. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Not me, Lord. For I am unworthy. For I am one with unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. But before we get this sudden urge to leave, because we don't feel like we're worthy, hold on a second. As Isaiah says these very same words, notice what happens. One of the angels, he grabs a pair of tongs and he goes up to the altar and he grabs a live coal off of the altar, brings it to Isaiah and touches his lips. Upon touching Isaiah's unclean lips with this live coal, the angel says, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Your sins are forgiven. Isaiah being unclean and And in the presence of Almighty God, He deserves nothing but death. For nothing unclean, nothing unholy can be in God's presence. You and I, as we enter into this throne room of God and we stand before Him, we deserve the same thing. We deserve the same punishment. We deserve nothing but death. But as we come before God, as we confess our sins, as we confess our uncleanliness before Him, just like Isaiah did, What does God do? I mean, God would have every right to throw us out, condemn us forever. But that isn't what he does, is it? Instead, God forgives us. He forgives us of each and every single sin that you and I and everyone has ever committed. And he doesn't do it by grabbing a live coal off of the altar and going around and touching everybody's lips. Instead, he forgives us with the precious red blood of Christ, which drips onto us from the altar of the cross. Through the shedding of Christ's blood, we are washed. We are forgiven. We're made clean. We're made holy. And we're made able to stand in the very presence of the Lord God Almighty, both here and now, and also in eternity. Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Isaiah says, Here am I. Send me. Now I want you to notice something. When God says, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us, who is he directing the question to? A lot of times we think Isaiah. I don't think so. If God was directing the question to Isaiah specifically, I think he would have said something about, like, you know, whom shall I send? How about you, Isaiah? Instead, he doesn't. Instead, when he asks this question, I believe he's directing it to the heavenly host that's there with him. And even though God is addressing the heavenly host, Isaiah doesn't try to avoid eye contact with God. He doesn't look around and see if maybe someone else is in this throne room with me. Maybe they'll volunteer instead. No, instead he says loudly and boldly, Here am I. Send me. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? As cleansed and, and forgiven by the blood of Christ, You and I, we shouldn't look around. We shouldn't try to avoid eye contact. We shouldn't look to God and question Him saying, Really? You want me? Instead, when He calls us, we voluntarily rise up with our living Savior, Jesus Christ, and loudly proclaim, Here am I. Send me. Amen.